Is your business worth saving? Welcome to Business Rescue Roadmap, providing new approaches to your business, how to avoid pitfalls, and proven methods to take your business to the top. Save your business, rescue your life with your host and business coach, Stacy Tushel. Good morning, Business Rescue Roadmap listeners. I'm Stacy Tushel. Entrepreneurship is truly one of the greatest opportunities one could be given. But we all know there are many challenges that we face as we start, grow, and build our business. We are so fortunate to be able to learn from others' successes and failures, and by doing so, that helps us move forward faster. And that's why I'm so excited to introduce you to our guest today, Stephen Wessner. Stephen is the CEO of Predictive ROI and the host of the top-rated Onward Nation podcast for business owners. He is the author of two best-selling books, The Small Business Owner's Handbook to Search Engine Optimization and Increase Online Sales Through Viral Social Networking. His digital marketing insights have been featured in Success, Forbes, Entrepreneur, The Washington Post, Inc. Magazine, and many more. His agency blends education in a very transparent way for his clients. So welcome to the Business Rescue Roadmap, Stephen. Oh my gosh, Stacy, I I'm excited. Thank you so much for for sending me the invitation and inviting me to be on a great podcast. This is so awesome. Oh well, thank you so much for being here. And Stephen, I've only given our listeners a brief glimpse into your background. So please take a minute and tell us more about you and your experience, and then we'll dive in. Well, you mentioned entrepreneurship and, and, and being a gift, and, and I couldn't agree with you more uh, with that. I come from a, a long line of entrepreneurs. My family immigrated here from Greece, uh, specifically my grandfather immigrated here from Greece in the early 1920s, from uh, actually from Istanbul, Turkey, uh, but he's Greek, and my uncle from Thessaloniki. And so we, we all came, were kind of fresh off the boat, if you will. But when my grandfather came here, he literally had $10 in his pocket, couldn't speak the language, made it to downtown Canton, Ohio, because he always wanted, he had this dream of owning his own restaurant. But you know, he had to work the night shift and clean lettuce and wash dishes. And he did that for six years and saved his pennies, saved all his money. And six years after coming to a country where he knew no one and had nothing, he had saved enough money to open his own restaurant. And then the Great Depression happened. Two years after he opened the restaurant, the Great Depression happened. And he gave away more soup than he sold. And when I think about, you know, grit, and tenacity and the persistence that is required to be an entrepreneur these days, I think, wow, my pop had that. And those are some of the lessons that he passed down to his four great kids. Of course, I'm biased because those are my aunts and uncle <laughs> and my mom. Uh, and then to us uh, grandchildren, there's there's 10 of us and all of them were my first cousins. And, and so these lessons of entrepreneurship that we're going to talk about today have really been part of my DNA ever since the beginning, since I was born. And so I've gone on to, to own five companies of my own. You mentioned Onward Nation and Predictive ROI today. And 
And, and, and so it's just been really fun. I'm looking forward to having this conversation with you. And thanks again for inviting me. Yeah, well, that's a great story. Thanks for sharing that. I, I, I know you, but I've never heard that story before. So I appreciate you sharing that with us. Um, so let, let's get started. I, um, I call this first section of questions, commit to win or cut your losses. I would love for you to take us back to the moment when you decided to start your own business and tell us what factors you took into consideration when you had to decide if you should, in fact, commit to win or cut your losses. Well, I, I can give you a couple of stories there. When, when I started my business way back in 1999, um, it was a company called FortifiedNutrition.com when, when it was so in vogue to own a .com. And, and I started that business for all the wrong reasons. I started that business because I was a young man in a hurry. I was 28 years old at the time, and I had absolutely no business certainly no experience in really starting a company of that magnitude and, and thought that it was just so awesome. It was so intoxicating within just a very short period of time. You know, I was worth $3 million because of my percentage of a $10 million business and, and just thought, wow, I have really found it. And then I was literally in San Francisco when the NASDAQ crashed in March of 2000 and in that paper stock certificate became worthless. And of course I lost that, but I also lost a hundred thousand dollars of my own money. You know, when you're 28 years old, a hundred thousand dollars is a lot of money. Heck, oh, it's wow. a lot of money to anybody, <laughs> right. right? Right. But I literally was nearly broke. I mean, in fact, I was broke. I mean, everything was just gone. We nearly lost our house. Praise God that we didn't. Um, and, and I realized that I was in pursuit of the almighty dollar. I wasn't serving any sort of higher purpose. There was no kind of passion behind the business other than just trying to get wealthy. And so later we ended up closing that business in May of 2001. Um, and, and there just wasn't really any substance behind that business. I like to think that that is completely different now with predictive ROI and our supportive education and in the mission, the purpose behind it and what we're trying to do with Onward Nation. And so I, I think that those you know, factors are different in those scenarios um, just because of purpose and the reason why we're doing it. Right. Absolutely. And, you know, that was my next question is what was the ultimate outcome you were hoping for? And it kind of sounds like when that changed, that's when things really took a positive turn for you. Well, you're exactly right. I mean, there was a bit of a reset is, is lots of entrepreneurs go through an experience. It's like, you know, the, the successful entrepreneur makes enough money to pay for his or her mistakes. Right. right. Yep. <laughs> and, and after fortified nutrition cratered and we closed it, you know, I went back into the agency business and, and spent five years in business development and kind of honing and sharpening sales skills again. And then I spent six years at the University of Wisconsin and, and, and took my education deeper and spent a lot of time with entrepreneurs and teaching business owners throughout the state and really broadened my experience and my network. And then I felt like I was ready again to start a business again. Mm -hmm. and, and, and so then I wanted to start a business with purpose. Now, that doesn't mean that I don't have a financial goal. I, I want to build a $100 million business. But the reason that I want to is because of philanthro capitalism, the things that I want to be able to do with that. You know, right. I think that Andrew Carnegie had it right when he said you spend the first half of your life amassing a fortune, you spend the other half of your life giving it away. And that's what I want to do. Oh, that's great. Well, let's move on and talk about looking within. What would you say your most important strengths are that have kept your business strong and successful? Boy, I, I got to say, I love this question. 
Um, this is a really, really good one. And it's something I, I like really connect with. And so I'm glad that you're, that, that you included this in, uh, in the conversation. For me, it's, it's several things. It's persistence, it's tenacity, it's discipline. And, and when I commit to something, when I commit to something, I will commit whatever resources necessary in order to make something so. And I will not let anybody, I do not give anybody but me the permission to tell me what is so. Now, that doesn't mean that I don't seek out advice for advisors and mentors and people who are much, much smarter and more experienced than me. That's, that's not what I mean. But if somebody comes up to Stacy and says, Stacy, how can you do that? You don't have the experience. You don't have this. You don't have that. You know, I look at those people and, and, and I literally think to myself, you're just going to make me prove yourself wrong or prove you wrong. I'm going to dig in and work even harder now. Yep. Fuels fuels the fire. Amen to that. So I think that that is kind of one of those strengths, right? It's like when, when you feel the fight is getting the hardest, that's when I think I might be at my best. That's great. Thank you. That's amazing advice to share. So let's transition into the section I call money really does matter. Looking back, what was one financial mistake that you made in your business and share with us how you wish you would have handled things a little differently? Well, <laughs> unfortunately, there's many. <laughs> right. uh, like, like, like I said, you know, the, the successful entrepreneur makes enough to pay for his or her mistakes. And, and in, in this current business here again, you know, when we kind of stretched outside of what our purpose is and, and, and really, we thought we, it was a stretch goal, but really it was more kind of laden in, in arrogance. We created an event that we called Predictive ROI Live, and we were going to hold it at uh, the Ritz-Carlton in Orlando in January, late January 2014. And when we released the tickets, we were just released the seats for sale. We just were so excited. I thought we were just going to get this onslaught of people. And we had amazing speakers coming. Uh, Darren Hardy, publisher of Success Magazine, Avinash Kashik from Google, Gary Vaynerchuk was going to be there, Scott McCain, Don Yeager, wow. just some really, really right. awesome guys, you know, that we had uh, signed and, and scheduled. Thankfully, these are my friends and people who I know pretty well. And so when we ended up having to cancel the event, which we did, why? Because Darren continued to ask me at each of our mentor sessions, mentorship sessions, Stephen, why would anybody come to this thing? I'm like, I don't know. I mean, and, and, and I kept pushing that off. Ultimately, Stacy, it cost us $200,000 is what we lost. Wow. An expensive lesson. Amen. And, and it's because I did not pay attention to, you know, people around me. Again, this is, you know, people who are giving you advice. You need to pay attention to that. And I, on, well, I'm going to make it so. But part of making it so is being wise enough to understand when somebody has a data point that you don't, and you need to pay attention to it. And I didn't. And it costs us a lot of money. Wow. Well, um, like I said, an expensive lesson to learn, but those are things that we are learning as we go and it just makes us stronger. So I'm sure you took many, many lessons out of that situation. Yeah. In in that instance, it was, it was good tuition. Yes, Yes. you're right. Yeah. Well, speaking of money and finances, one of the largest budgets in our business should be, and is most likely our marketing budget. We both know that marketing has to be the main focus for any business to survive and then thrive. So using your past experience and knowledge in this area, if you had to start a business all over again, a brand new business, what would you do differently knowing now what you have learned? Well, I would do exactly what you're doing 
uh, to, to build your business. Now you're, you're not a new business, but, but your audience should absolutely take a lesson uh, about what you're exhibiting and what you're demonstrating right now. And that is a podcast build a platform. So it doesn't matter if it's a podcast. I know you've done some rocking awesome webinars, which are fantastic. Your video series is great. And, and so you're putting out all of this amazing content. Well, it's one thing to say you need to produce content. It's another to be like super strategic, strategic, like you are doing right now where you stitch it all together because then it becomes a platform. And so you know, when we think about marketing, yes, sure, there's the promotional side to it. But when you can build a platform that's built around your business expertise, then you are truly an expert and not just a promoter. And so when I think about what and, and that's what we've done now with Onward Nation and, and, and we've got, you know, great platform with books and, and so forth. But early on, have that. And it took us a while to get to that point. So if I was, you know, if I was starting a business, if I had a business and I was looking to put some lighter fluid on it, I would look at, I would use you as a roadmap and I would say, what are the things that Stacy's doing? Oh yeah, that, oh, that's perfect. I'm going to put that in my business and so forth. So I, I would encourage everyone who's listening to this conversation right now to use Stacy. That sounds bad. Use Stacy <laughs> as a, as, as truly a roadmap, a blueprint, copy those things, do those things because that's what it takes to be successful today. Got to have a podcast, got to have a video series, got to have great content, got to do webinars, got to care about your list and nurture it with excellent content, you know, and not just selling something, build your expertise and then share it, not for, but for education and then you'll win. Right. Well, and first, I appreciate you saying that. But second, you are leading right into my next question because you just listed off so many things. And I, I'm sure people are listening and saying, whoa, how do I do all of those things? And and we're putting too much on our plate. So it's a struggle we all encounter in the beginning of a business. And unfortunately, for some, that struggle really doesn't go away. So how do you make sure your business isn't running you? Um, why don't you tell us how you define, Stephen, the work-life balance and does it really exist? <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm probably a bad one to ask about it. And the reason why I say that is because my wife, my wife, Christine, she says to me, she goes, yeah, you don't know anything about work-life balance. To you, it doesn't <laughs> exist. And, and, and that's partially, you know, that's actually a very fair criticism because I do enjoy my work immensely. Love it. Uh, and, and, you know, in full transparency, I probably do too much time with it. And that's probably all entrepreneurs, business owners who are listening right now are probably nodding their heads saying, yeah, I fall into that category too. In my opinion, work-life balance is being able to balance the things that you truly love, spending time with family, hobbies, work, whatever that might be, travel, doesn't matter, but making sure that your life is balanced to the point where you can spend time doing all those things that you love. Um, and, and, and so for me, I do feel like I have work-life balance because I get to do whatever it is that I want to do whenever it is that I want to do it. It's just whether or not I actually commit to making those things a priority. And if I don't, that's on me. It's not necessarily because the business got away from me being able to kind of manage time. I use probably a similar system uh, to you that, that we've both learned from, from Darren Hardy at, at success. And that's, you know, blocking our time, 90 minute jam sessions, being very specific about vital priorities and vital functions and vital metrics. I'm very specific about those things. So I'm not necessarily like a work-life balance person. I have a lot to learn in that area. Um, and, but, but that's how I kind of block time and make sure that I'm focusing on the right things. 
Yeah, that's great. And honestly, I'm very similar to you. I just love work so much that people might look at me and think, oh, she works too much. But when, when you love what you do, it's just a completely different experience. Amen. You're exactly right. Yeah. So let me ask you, do you have a daily habit that you incorporate that really helps you structure your day for success? If you could pick one thing. I do. And you know, I don't mean to get like deeply spiritual on you. So whether you call it, you know, meditation, whether you call it prayer, I call it prayer, whether you call it like thoughtfulness or inner consciousness, I, it doesn't matter. But, you know, I spend about 30 minutes a day where I'm thoughtfully considering and prayerfully asking for the things that I need in order to accomplish my most vital priorities. I'm literally spending 30 minutes marinating my brain every single day thinking about the things that are most important, the things that I need to do, the vital priorities that need to be accomplished in order to move the business forward. And I'm prayerfully asking for, you know, the new partners, the resources and so to make those things a reality. And so I spend that 30 minutes every single day, and unless I forget, and, when, and, and if I forget because I'm too busy or my schedule is such or whatever, I feel different because I haven't had that sort of grounding or setting and, and I heard from Tim Ferriss, I think it was in one of his podcast episodes where he talked about like of all of the high performers, the best athletes and business people and all these people he sort of dissects, if you will, you know, about 80% of them, 80% of the best of the best in the world had some form of morning ritual and normally about 80% of the time it involved meditation or some sort of kind of cerebral activity, if you will. And so it's really important for me. It definitely helps. Great. Yeah, I think that's that's an amazing tip to share and so important that our listeners know that. Your your personal habits are key and unfortunately, you know, we are not the only ones that we need to have mastered these success tips in our business. So, let's talk about employees or partners or anybody that you have to work with. We all at some point struggle with the hiring, firing and everything in between there. So, what is one thing you feel that you've mastered with delegation or outsourcing? that maybe a lot of other business owners still struggle with today? Well, a gentleman by the name of Larry, who was a guest on Onward Nation, said to me, and this just kind of was so cemented into my brain when he said it. And he said, Stephen, the best in the world are master delegators. I'm like, oh, I'm totally writing that down, Larry. <laughs> and, 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 and it's like so true, right? I mean, we cannot build a business that's scalable if we don't do exactly what you just said in your question. You said master with delegation and outsourcing. If you cannot master delegation, then you're going to be a one-person operation forever, and so I think one of the things that, that, that I have done well because I've learned from others is to be a good delegator. I'm the furthest thing that you'll ever find from a micromanager. I in, truly enjoy being able to empower my teammates, my employees, and, and we treat employees the same as we do, you know, subcontractors um, and same sort of, you know, partnership and, and, and whatnot. So there's no micromanaging. There's complete delegation. There's, you know, the uh, holding people accountable. But then also, you know, I subscribe to something, you know, that, that, that Darren taught me, and that is hire slow, fire fast. And, and I think that is a principle that we should all probably get a little bit more in tune with. 
Yeah, excellent. That hire slow, fire fast. It's one of those things that it's it's so hard. It's easy to say the hardest thing to do, but we know we have to do it. So I hope listeners, you wrote that little tip down because that could be something that really helps you in your business. So before we wrap up, Stephen, I really would like to end our discussion with the ultimate guide of our business rescue roadmap. I just have a few more questions to ask, and I'm excited for you to share your thoughts with our listeners. Like I said before, entrepreneurship is such an amazing thing. Tell me, what do you enjoy most about being an entrepreneur? Gosh, I this is gonna sound so weird. Probably makes sense to to to, to your listeners and, and to you. Is I enjoy the struggle. I enjoy the fight. I enjoy the challenge. I enjoy putting boulder up the hill when nobody else thinks that you can. And then when you get that one up, going back to the bottom and picking up a bigger one and doing it again over and over and over again. Like Gary Vaynerchuk said, you know, I think it was probably during our interview. And he said to me, he's like, you know, the journey is, you know, it, it, it's so kind of cliche to say it's not the journey, it's the or it's not the destination, it's the journey. But but really building something from nothing is really what the fun is, right? If you instantly own a hundred million dollar company, but you didn't put in the blood, sweat, and tears to get right. there, yep. then then how, what kind of fun is that? So for me, the thing I enjoy the most is the path, you know, the good about it and the bad about it, because that's what makes it awesome. Yeah, I, that's a great analogy. I've never heard that with the boulders, but that's that's the perfect way to describe that. And I could not agree more. Uh, let me ask you, what do you think are the most important factors that have contributed to the success of your business, uh, whether onward nation or predictive ROI? I mean, both great examples. I think it's the failures. You know, and it is like I was listening to, to something actually just this morning from Tony Robbins. And, and he said, when you create a goal, and as soon as you're committed to that goal, that's when the opposition arrives. That's when somebody says you can't do this. That's where the challenge arrives. That's where the bumps in the road arise. And in accomplishing the goal isn't what creates the satisfaction. It's the transformation that the challenges force you to become somebody different on your way to accomplish the goal. That's what makes it really rewarding. So when I think about that, when I think about how I have grown both mentally, spiritually, and expertise over the last several years, it is those darkest moments, those puke in a bucket <laughs> moments, right? Yep. That, that are like, those are the moments that really push you to grow and really make it rewarding. And so at the end of the day, you can look back and say, look what I did. Look what we did. And you wouldn't have been able to do it if it was if it was all sunshines and rainbows. Right. Those are the things that you'll never forget. And the fact that you've had those experiences, that's amazing. Um, and, and both you and I know that we've seen the statistics of every business that starts. And it's scary to see the businesses that don't last. So before we end, I would love to ask you one more question. If you could share one thing with an entrepreneur who was thinking about closing down their business, what would it be? <sighs> I think I would encourage that person. This is going to feel a little bit heavy handed and I don't mean it to, but that are you, are you closing down the business because you're quitting or because you're truly exhausted your resources? There are always new sources of capital, new ways to fund the business, partners that are out there. If you have a good idea 
there's always somebody, a new joint venture, a way to build your list, a customer to call, a prospect to call. There is always a way to build your business. So the question is, have you truly exhausted all of those resources or are you just quitting? Because if you're quitting, we need to recognize that it's not the fault of the business. The next venture that you move on to or the next job that you move on to or the next relationship that you move on to, there'll be a point in time when that gets tough too. And what will you do? Will you quit then as well? And so that's what I mean by feeling a little bit heavy handed. I don't mean it to, but you need to look inside and understand is the business model bad? And if it is change it, but if it's not, if you're just quitting, then address that and stop that and pick up the boulder and move it and push it up the hill. Because at that point of when you feel like the fight is the most intense, that truly is when you're just about to win. So don't quit. And make sure that before you ever give up, well, I never <laughs> give up, but if you're ever faced with that, that is truly because you're out of resources, but I don't think that that ever happens truly. Yeah, that's a great point and such great advice. I hope I hope our listeners have really received some incredible value here today because you have given me so many things to write down and jot down and, and I hope they feel the same way. So I'm so appreciative that you have taken the time to be with us. And if my guests wanted to learn more about you and your products and services or Onward Nation, where would they find you? Uh, great question. They can find us in two different places, onwardnation.com or uh, predictiveroi.com. You can find me personally on Twitter, LinkedIn, just Stephen Westner on, on all of those profiles or excuse me, platforms, uh, Facebook too. And I'd be happy to answer any questions or concerns if, if anybody has any. Okay, great. Well, as always, Stephen, it has been a pleasure talking with you. I know our listeners have received some amazing content, and I'm sure they are just as grateful as I am. So thank you again for taking the time to share your knowledge and expertise. Thank you so much, Stephen. Well, thank you again for the invitation. Your podcast is brilliant. It's an honor to share some time with you and, and to be a part of it. So thank you very much, Stacey.